Okay. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, church. Come on, anybody excited about the word this morning? If you're not, it's about time to get excited. Let's lean in. Let's make room. Come on, let's get excited. Ready? Turn to the person next to you and tell listen, déjame quieto for a little while. I need to hear the word. Amen? I don't want to hear that you're hungry or you're thirsty or you got, unless you were hungry for the word, unless you're thirsty for the word, callate. Be quiet. Amen? We ready? Yeah. All right, everybody nice and comfortable? Yeah. All right, stand up. Let's stand for the reading of the word this morning. All right. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Luke chapter 19. Going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the mountain of olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If they shut up, the stones will cry out. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Father, we just thank you for your word today, God. We thank you on this Palm Sunday, God, that we could look past the palm today, God, and that we could look to you and hear your word and, and hear from you and be changed by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Here's a quote that I'd like to have used it before, but you're not going to remember. It's from A.W. Tozer. You ready? Good. Two? All right. Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, He can do for you. Oh, come on. More people should be excited about that. Come on. It is Palm Sunday. It's about the triumphal entry, about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. I'm going to be very traditional today. I, I, I looked through the past years of notes and I said, man, I, I've never taught on Palm Sunday, on Palm Sunday. So this Palm Sunday, I want to teach on Palm Sunday. So go ahead, you can turn to somebody and say, this guy's radical. He's so out the box. The biblical account of Palm Sunday, it can be found in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 21, it's in Mark 11, it's in Luke 19, and it's in John 12. And I love that about the, the, the Bible. There's four Gospels that tell the stories from their own perspective. How many of you know if we grabbed four of you to talk about this service today, you, 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 you really, you're not going to change anything of what happened, but you're going to say it in your own perspective, right? And so you're going to see things that the other person sees differently, or you're going to have noticed some things that he didn't notice. You're going to see some things, and, and I love that about the word. Matthew sees Jesus as the king, the king of kings. Mark sees him as a servant and, and portrays him as a servant. Luke sees him as the savior of the world, and John sees him as the son of God. 
So whenever we read those Gospels, we understand that this is their perspective of how they see Him. And, and it's also that we would get a better, a fuller picture of the understanding of God. God puts us in community so that we would know God better. Do you know that God brings us together in community so we would know God better? If you were by yourself, you could only know God to a certain extent. In community, we get to know Him better because we know Him through each other. We get married. We have kids. God, God wants us to understand and know Him as the, as the husband, as the father, as the son. Amen? All right. So the triumphal entry. We read in the Gospels that Jesus decides to go to Jerusalem during the week of Passover. This is going to get heavy. I need you to kind of lean in. I'm going to do a little more uh, teaching maybe than preaching, but I, I want you to learn this and really understand this because what matters is that you understand the Word. Amen? I don't like to, I don't want to just get up here and, and say something catchy all the time so it's catchy and so you can walk away. Oh, no, Pastor had a catchy message today. I, I want you to learn, amen? I want us to understand the word and, and if there's, and because the word itself is alive and it's catchy, amen? So we don't have to be gimmicky about the word. I want you to kind of learn. So, so, so lean in. Jerusalem, Jerusalem during Passover, Passover was one of the biggest festivals. That, 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 that the Jewish people have, and it, it was, that means people, Jewish people from all over would come to Jerusalem during this time. They would make this, this trek, they would, they would be from everywhere, they would come and travel to meet in Jerusalem to celebrate the time that they were in captivity, and God was getting ready to free them from slavery. Real quick, the story of Passover and the festival of Passover, it's just God's people were in captivity in Egypt, and, and God came and told Pharaoh, listen, whenever God's people are in captivity, God's always about setting them free. Amen? So you got to get that even from the very beginning. Whenever God's people are in captivity, God's purpose is to set them free. So God, God uses, sends a deliverer to, to Egypt and he tells Pharaoh, release my people. And, and he didn't. You know, if you know the story, if you saw the cartoon, God unleashed ten plagues. What is it? Prince of Egypt, right? The cartoon? Come on, y'all know most of the word from the cartoon, right? Okay. So, so God, God unleashes ten plagues on the Egyptians with the last one being the slaying of every firstborn son. And so the only way that the angel that would come to, to destroy every firstborn son would know that this is not an Egyptian house, that this is a house of God, is they had to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts of their house. And so when the angel would come and he would see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he would pass over that home. That's what Passover, the festival of Passover is. Amen? Passover is an awesome picture of the gospel. It's, it's beautiful. I love how the gospel is told in the Old Testament. God, the, 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 but Passover is it, where Jesus is going to eventually be the sacrificial lamb of the New Testament, he, that takes away the sins of the world, that would cause judgment to pass over those who are under the blood. The, the, do you see the gospel in the Old Testament? Amen? But, okay, so understand, you, you, you'll catch up. So understand the setting though. Jesus was already a marked man. There was already a contract on his head. This is the end of his ministry. This is right at the end. This is in fact the last week of his ministry. So there's already, he's already angered the entire church, all the religious leaders, all the Pharisees and Sadducees, all the elect. They already have a contract on his head. There's a hit on Jesus. He was a marked man. So for Jesus to decide to make this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where there were going to be so many people, where people would make such a big deal about it, understand that that was a very courageous thing to do. Can, can you see that? Understand, Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead also. And so there was a lot of people that saw that event and that heard of that event. Everybody imagine, right, if one of your family members died and Jesus came and rose him from the dead, wouldn't you tell everybody and your cousin? Like everybody, right? I'd say, and so everybody had just heard about this. So, so that made the crowd that gathered in Jerusalem even larger because it says everybody wanted, heard that Jesus was going to be there and they wanted to be there. So all of these people are there and they're gathered all the more to see Lazarus and Jesus. They want to see Lazarus too, right? Because there's one thing about hearing, hearing that Jesus did this, but I want to see the guy. Right? You say he brought this guy to death. I want to see him. Because I know he died. I remember he died. 
but I want to see him walking, right? So everybody was gathered to there. I, I want you this morning to look past the palms today. I understand that many people all over the world today will make time to visit a church just to get a palm. The flower shops know that. That's why those bales are now $49 for a bale. We have to spend $104 in palms today. But I understand that many people today would go to a church. They'd find time today to go to a church all over the world to get themselves a palm. What for? So that they can make it into a nice little cross. Come on, hold them up. Those of you that did it already. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, right? Right? So that they can make it into a cross, so that they could put it in their cars or keep it in their homes as a sign of blessing, as a sign of good luck, as a sign of good fortune. <laughs> can I tell you one of my pet peeves during Lent and during Holy Week? Oh boy. <laughs> I work in corporate America, right? I work in, in corporate. And, and in corporate, they, they have chaplains, right? I work at NYU, big company, and so they have a chaplains of all faith in the. And so, Ash Wednesday, I see the biggest sinvergüenzas, the, the foulest people, with little dirt on their forehead. And it takes everything in me to not say, really? Like, really? Today you're, 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 you're spiritual? Right? That annoys me to no end. You know what else bothers me? I go, listen, listen. <laughs> on, on Fridays, oh no, we can't eat meat. You, you can't what? Why can't you eat meat? Oh, no, because, you know, they're, they're, but no, no, because my effing job, because this, this, my, my, I'm like, really? And so, so you think that not eating meat is, is the biggest thing that's going to offend God with you about your life right now? <laughs> Annoying. Matthew 15, 11 said, it's not what goes into the body that makes you holy, it's what comes out. It's not what goes in that defiles you. It's what comes out. And so, I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you today that judgment did not pass over the homes where there was a palm cross. Judgment wasn't escaped by fashioning a cross out of the palms. The Word tells me the only homes that were saved were those that were under the blood. All right, come on, come on. We're getting warmed up. We're getting warmed up here. See, we have to go past, thank you, brother. We have to go past the palms today to the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew, and, and if you read on all four accounts of the story, you'll see that Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Every old, do you know that there are hundreds of prophecies? about how the Messiah would come, about who the Messiah would be, about what he would do, about how he would do it. The, the word says, scholars say there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament. Do you know that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy? You, you, you might not understand, you know, that, that might like, mess you up because you think like the Bible was written by one guy on one day and like, well, that's written by man, that's been changed a hundred times, that's... Do you understand that these sections in the Word were written at different times by different people? Uh, and, and, and they have to line up somehow, which is miraculous. Right? And so, so Jesus fulfilled every prophecy about the Messiah. The prophecies of Isaiah 62, the prophecies of Zechariah 9.9, which were known very well by the religious leaders of that time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes and all them, that's all they do. That was their job, was to read the Word. So they knew exactly who the Messiah should be according to the prophecies that were going to be fulfilled. So Jesus, understand that by riding in on a donkey, a lot of people wanted me to read the King James today. 
But by riding in on a donkey, I'm not. <laughs> he, Jesus was saying clearly, I am the I am. He was saying clearly, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. If you believe in me, you believe in the one who sent me. If you've seen me, you've seen him. So he was saying clearly, he rode in knowing what the Messiah would have to do by the end of that week. Do you understand? Jesus rode in. He, he knew that some of the same people, thank you bro, some of the same people that were laying their coats down in the streets, some of the same people that were waving their palms saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be that Later on in that week, some of those same people would be shouting, crucify him. Choosing a criminal over the Messiah. Some of those same people that were worshiping, the same people with the little ash on their foreheads, the same people that weren't eating meat on Fridays, you know, because of Lent. Some of those same hypocrites would be shouting later on, give us Barabbas, crucify Jesus. It should make you cry. Sorry. Sorry. They would choose a criminal over the Messiah. Now, now don't judge because we do that too. Sometimes when God doesn't give us what we want or what we ask for, we knowingly choose what we know is not right for us. Come on. We'll choose bitterness over forgiveness anytime. So sometimes we'll choose what feels right over what we know is right. Anybody in here? Good. So let's not judge them too quick. Amen? So Jesus knew that riding in on a donkey, that riding in that way, he knew that that was going to stir up anger. He knew <coughs> that that would raise hatred. He knew that that would take the religious elect by storm and stir up every bitter, selfish bone in their religious bodies. But he rode in that way anyway. See, I love this. Listen, God is, somebody needs to hear this today. God isn't intimidated by your anger, your hatred, or your lack of belief. And he'll ride into your life anyway. Some of you are here today with the wrong motives and for the wrong reasons. And God says, even if you don't fully believe in me yet, I believe in you. And I'm not offended, and I'm not intimidated by your lack. In fact, before anyone in this place chose me, I chose them. Oh, man. Oh, oh, man. That needs a drink. So Jesus rides in. Now, understand, we could read earlier in Matthew that they had already decided to kill him. If you read the, the Gospel of Matthew, we know they had already plotted. They said, okay, this Jesus we got to kill. And then when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they already plotted, oh, this Lazarus, we're going to have to off him too. It was like the, 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 the elect sopranos up in here. They were like, this guy's going to get killed. This guy's going to get taken out. Because they're, they're causing a stir. They're, 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 they're going against all the religiousness that we stand for. They're going to steal our jobs. You know, they, we, these guys already, they had, there was a contract on them. But we read in Matthew that they decided, but we're going to have to wait till after the Passover. Because during the Passover, if we did that during the Passover, the crowds are going to go crazy. People are going to get riled up. And, and you know, we might have a, an outbreak. And so they, they said, we'll wait till after the Passover before we do this. But Jesus says, Jesus realizing that the time has come, he said, I'm not going to let you wait till after the Passover. You're going to do what you want to do. You're going to do it now because I am the Passover lamb. So he says, you're not going to wait. So in Luke the gospel that describes him as Savior, Luke reports that when he got close to the city, I want you to see this picture. It says Jesus wept over it. He got close to the city and he wept over it. In, in John 12 it says, And Jesus cried out and he said, Whoever believes in me, 
believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Does that mess with somebody's theology today? Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. And if you don't believe me, I don't judge you for it. I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world. But he goes on, he says, but now the one who rejects me, does not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that day. That's beautiful and harsh at the same time, isn't it? So he's making this triumphal entry. He, he's seeing and hearing the multitudes praising and crying out. He hears the shouts, Hosanna, which by the way, Hosanna means save me now. But he knows that these people, Israel, they're looking for a different kind of saving. He knows that they want a political Messiah. They want a king that's going to come and rule with them. They're looking for a king that would liberate them from the Roman oppression that they're living in right now. So they're excited because this Messiah just raised somebody from the dead. And so they're thinking, this guy is going to come and be our king. Like how bad is that, that our king could raise people from the dead? Right? Think about this politically and strategically. If the leader of our army could raise people from the dead, we can't lose. Right? All we need is an army of 10 special op guys. Right? We send the 10 guys in to wipe out an entire city. If one of them dies, stand, rise again. The 10 guys could take out an entire city. They could kill every Roman available. They could, you understand that they, they're, they're thinking, I want a king that's going to deliver us and rule with an iron hand. And this king even raises people from the dead. Hosanna, praise God. We're so excited about this king. They're looking for a king that would liberate them from now. They couldn't see past the problems they, that they had at the moment. They couldn't see past the present situations that they were in. They, they only wanted a temporary salvation from their situation family we do this all the time don't we we praise him and we worship and we come to church so god could deliver us from the struggle that we're in come on some of you hear that like that some of you here for that today You're like you know what i'm sick of everything that's going on in my life i'm tired god i'm gonna give you i need you to come and you think god is a genie that you're gonna walk into the sanctuary and rub the pillar and 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 god better do whatever you want we want God to deliver us from the struggles that we're in now. Amen? We want a mighty deliverer, but just for our daily struggles. It's like calling 911 to tell them you have a headache. It's like calling the fire department because somebody threw a cigarette butt on the sidewalk. And it's still lit. They didn't want a savior who saves us. They wanted a servant who serves us. I wonder how many times we've limited God with our expectations. So it's not heavy, I know. Jesus had to look past the palms because his salvation wasn't temporary. I said his salvation wasn't temporary. He, he wasn't going to the cross to save them from their temporary struggle. He, he was going to the cross to give them eternal life. Too often we're talking situation and God is talking salvation. Too often we're talking situation. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm single. God, I'm broke. God, I don't have a good job. God, I don't have a good face. God, I don't have good hair. God, I'm too heavy. God, I need this. God, and God, we're talking temporary and God is talking eternity. We're, we're talking strife, and God is talking eternal life. We, we have to look past the palms today to see the whole picture and experience true purpose from God. Amen? Amen. So, okay, so Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He, empty, he, he enters the temple, and he sees what's going on at the temple. 
They were cheating people at the temple. And, and Jesus turns over the tables at the temple. Understand what that means, because we hear that a lot maybe, and, and we don't understand what's happening. The, the religious elect there, the, in, in order, it was, it was everyone's custom and, and had to be that they had to bring a sacrifice when they came to Jerusalem to the temple. And so one, a lamb had to be sacrificed for every ten people. And so it, it, was, it, it was something that had to be done, and, and, and they knew that the Jews had to do this. And then they knew that the Gentiles that were believing in God now would have to also present a sacrifice. And so in the outer courts, which is the only court that the Gentiles could come into, the Gentiles couldn't go past the outer court. So in the outer court, they had all these tables set up because the only money that you can offer or the only money that you can use to buy the sacrifice was temple money. So it was like monopoly money. It was fake money. You understand? It was temple money. And so for you to come with your $20 to get $20 of, of temple money, they were charging you $40. Give me, give me seven, you know, give me seven dollars for every dollar type. It was like crazy. They were charging extra. They were inflating things. They were cheating people to, to take money from them to, so that they could give their sacrifice. Jesus comes and he says, my house will be a house of prayer. Not a den. You've made it a den of robbers. You're stealing from people. You're robbing people. And so he flips over the tables. I want you to know, and, and we have to always remember this, the only people that made Jesus angry were religious people. How come the church doesn't get that? Why do we still want to be religious people? The only people that got God angry were religious people. And we still want to be religious people sometimes. Not here though, Amen. <laughs> So he cleanses the temple. And, and in Luke uh, 19, 47, it says, And he was teaching daily in the temple, and the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people, they were seeking to destroy him. But they didn't find anything that they could do because the people were hanging on every word that came from his mouth. And so we read in, Ma in Mark and in Matthew uh, a living parable that Jesus gives us. And listen, this is so powerful, it's scary. Lean in. Esto está bueno. Lean in. In Matthew 21, 18, every day they would go into the temple and, and go out. They couldn't stay there, right? And, and they would go out. And so in, in Matthew 21, he records it this way. In the morning, they were, as he was returning to the city, Jesus became hungry. Don't you love that our Jesus got hungry? It shows that he felt everything that we felt. Because if he felt hunger, that means he felt sadness. That means he felt... You know what I'm saying? He went through everything. So we have a Savior that can identify with everything that we, 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 we don't go to Jesus and say, God, I know you don't understand this, but I, God said, no, I understand that I walked in your genes. I walked in the same genes. I understand what you felt. And I did that so that I can understand what you feel. Amen? Oh, that's beautiful, but that's a whole other message. So it says, Jesus became hungry. This is crazy. Look. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and he found nothing on it but leaves. And so he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered up at once and died. Jesus cursed a fig tree. This is the only destructive miracle that Jesus ever does in his ministry. So, so let's unpack it because it's got to be important. Amen? How many of you understand, right? If, if, if we can't look at it and say, oh, Jesus just had a bad day. Jesus was PMSing that day. He was hungry. He was cranky. Right? And he went to go get some fruit. There was no fruit. I curse you in my name. If this is the only destructive miracle that Jesus is worth looking into, amen? Can we get into it for a minute? So if we read both accounts of the story, because we, we read it in Matthew and in Mark, I believe, it, it, it's, it, it gets even crazier because we see that in one of the stories it says there were no figs on the tree because figs weren't even in season yet. So why is Jesus getting mad at a tree that doesn't have figs when the figs weren't even in season yet? Anybody ask that question? That's a good question. Good, that makes you, you're all biblical theologians. I love that. So we know the time of year it was because it was Passover. And so we know the season that we're in. 
And so we know that figs weren't in season. And, and I think Mark records it, even though the figs weren't in season. So why is Jesus tripping? If this tree isn't even supposed to have fruit yet, you have to understand something about the fig tree to understand that. See, when we don't go into the word, we could just read it and say, oh, that was silly, that don't make any sense, and throw it out. When that's the thing that God wanted to change your life with. Amen? I believe that's happening right here, right now, with this word, right now. This is the piece God wants to get into somebody right now. Listen. You have to understand that a fig tree, so that you know, has huge leaves. The, the leaves of a fig tree are like a foot long. So these are huge leaves. And not little leaves that we're looking like a tree. They're about a foot long. Um, traditional custom has it that those are the leaves that Adam and Eve used to try to cover themselves. Remember when they tried to cover themselves? Because they were big leaves. And so a fig tree in that time that had these leaves on it, because Jesus said it had leaves and so he went to it, you would, it would stand out among a bunch of empty trees because things are not in season. Now what you need to know is that with a fig tree, the fruit comes first. So a fig tree bears figs before it bears leaves. So if a fig tree is full of leaves, that means what? It should have fruit. You, you get it? So if the fig tree is full of leaves, Jesus goes to it because he knows that if there's f leaves on the tree, there should be fruit on the tree. Mm. Mm. So the, the, the key is that the fruit grows before the leaves do. And so when the tree has leaves, it should already have fruit. Jesus saw a fig tree with leaves and he went to go eat from it. And when he discovered that the tree had no leaves, had, no, had leaves but no fruit, he knew it would be a living parable. He knew it would be an illustration for his people. And so he cursed it and it withered up and died. See, the fig tree was a picture of his people Israel. The Jewish leaders of that time. They had the appearance of religion. They had the leaves. But they had no fruit. They had the leaves. But they had no substance. And so Jesus says, I'm not going to put up with all the talk with no walk. He says, I don't want the appearance of godliness with no power. Jesus was saying, this is a picture of religious leaders. They have the appearance of religion. They have the appearance of being holy. They have the appearance of being godly. But they have no love. But they have no, no heart. There's no power. There's no spirit. And just like it was prophesied back in Isaiah, God would harden the hearts of those who refuse to believe so that they can't believe. This is a rough word. Listen. It says He would close the eyes of those who refuse to see so that they can't see. You know how we say as a kid, don't make faces behind somebody's face because if you get hit, your face will stay that way? Your parent never told you that? Your face is going to stay that way. Stop it. The Old Testament tells us when you harden your hearts, be careful. Because God could then harden your heart further and it will stay that way. And then even when you want to believe, you can't. Even when you want to see, you can't see because God has already hardened your hearts and closed your hearts. Understand now, Jesus did not, the, the, it wasn't Jesus' curse that withered the fig tree. He didn't, it, it wasn't barren because he cursed it. He just sealed it. He, he just sealed what it was already doing. Mm. The Jewish people were happy to have the appearance of godliness without bearing any fruit. They liked the leaves because leaves are large. They can be seen from anywhere. People from far can see the leaves and they can say, Wow, there must be a lot of fruit there. They wore the hats and the beards and the, and the sideburns. And, the, and there was, if you read the Leviticus and all the, the, and all the stuff that they had, man, people would look and say, man, that's a holy, those are some holy people. Those are God's people. Oh my God, I can't even stand next to those people. They're so holy. Look at all the leaves. 
They like the leaves because they're so large and they can be seen from anywhere. But, but people, people would have to go to them to find out and they have to walk away hungry because there's no fruit there. Church, this world is so hungry for spiritual fruit. And we cannot advertise to the world with our leaves, with our buildings, with our programs, with our advertisements, with our promises. I would hesitate to put the word church on a building anymore. Because we're advertising, that's a leaf. We're advertising this fruit in this house. We can't, we can't do that with everything and then have people come looking for fruit and find nothing but leaves, church. When the world looks past the palms, they should find fruit. When they look past the leaves, they should find people who bear fruit. John 15 says, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Jesus wants us to be fruitful. If we're in Jesus, if we're abiding in Christ, there has to be fruit. Do you, do you get that? If there's no fruit in your life, you, we need to examine seriously. Seriously. If there's no love overflowing out of you, if there's not forgiveness overflowing out of you, if there's not acceptance and joy and peace. Listen, it doesn't mean we're like we float around like angels with the, you know, we have struggles, we go through things, we have bad days, we get angry, so we lose our temper, we do stupid things. I'm not, I'm not painting something that you can't attain. But if there's no fruit in us, we have to understand, maybe we got disconnected someplace. Do, do you understand? Listen, if I, if I pull this, this connection from the source, you won't hear me anymore. And so I have to, we have to check our lives sometimes that, wait, if nobody's hearing me, maybe my connection got loose. If nobody's hearing me, maybe I'm not plugged in. Because Jesus says, if you abide in me, and I abide in you, there's going to be fruit. Come on. The only destructive miracle that Jesus ever performed was to wither the branch that professes to bear fruit, but had all the signs of fruit, had all the appearance of promise, but lacked any real fruit. He didn't wither the tree for fruitlessness, but for falseness. Let me close with this. Worship team, you guys could come. In Matthew 21, which is, is, it comes right along the line there. It's called the parable of the two sons, Matthew 21. Starting in verse 28, I'm going to read. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind and he went. And he went to the other son and he said the same. And he answered, I'll go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Jesus asked. And they said, well, the first one did. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you, he was talking about John the Baptist, John came to you in the way of righteousness and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe. See, true belief is a response tested by time. True belief is a response tested by time. Listen, people often ask me, how come you don't always do a, a call to salvation at the end of every message? How come you don't have people come up and say the sinner's prayer? I, I was in a church 36 years and we said the sinner's prayer every, every, every sermon because, you know, they cared about lost people. How come you don't care about lost people? How come you don't say the sinner's prayer here every Sunday? And they'll hit me with scriptures and they'll say, doesn't the word says you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart so that you can be saved. 
And the answer to that question is yes. Jesus said, there is no other way to the Father but through me. But I've learned the principle of this parable. True belief is a response tested by time. I know, I've been doing this long enough now, that I know that I can share a couple of good emotional stories. I know that I can, I can work myself up and tell a story and, and bring my voice down and cry a little bit and tell a touching story. And I can get probably half the people in here to give me an emotional response, to come forward, and I'll get you to say a sinner's prayer. Anything I say, you'll repeat it. It's scary, but there's a little power in the pulpit. And so I know I can generate by myself without the Spirit of God just because I've been doing it long enough that I can get you to say a prayer and, and then this crazy thing about that is that you leave here thinking you're a Christian and wonder why nothing's changed and why wondered why nothing's different in my life and wonder why and then fall away but see true belief is a response tested by time and so, like the sons in the parable, one said, no, I won't do what you want me to do. I won't go work in the vineyard. But later he changed his mind and he went. The other stood up. He said the prayer. He accepted the call. He said, I'll go. God, send me in Jesus' name. But later changed his mind and he didn't go. So which one did the will of the Father, Jesus said? Which one is truly saved? From the outside, we'd honor the second one and we'd judge the first one. But God says the one that does the will of my Father is the one that, that goes and does it. And so I'd rather have people take that scripture and say you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart well I believe it that if you believe in your heart you'll eventually confess with your mouth amen and there's no set prayer sinners prayer is nowhere in the Bible so that could be done anywhere you don't have to repeat after me or repeat after anybody I believe if we can get you to point to challenge you to believe in your heart then true belief is a response tested by time Amen? So church, this Palm Sunday, I'm asking that you would go past the palms. Let's, let's stop coming to God to just get what we want. Let's stop coming to God with just our daily problems. I mean, it's good. The Word says we can bring everything in Him by prayer and supplication. But it says to bring it in thanksgiving. That's a different attitude. Let's go past the palms. Let's go past the praises it's easy to worship in a crowd with, a great, with great musicians. But can we praise them alone? Can we praise them when we're angry? Can we praise them depressed, sad, when things don't go right? Church, I, I, I want us desperately to go past the leaves. Let's leave that showy outward religion. It's time for many of us to stop being all leaves and no fruit. If that means you got to forgive somebody, then, then, then do it already. If that means you got to go and ask for forgiveness, then do it already. Do it. You're not going to have any fruit in your life until you do what God asks you to do. Do you understand you'll never experience true joy until you're walking in the true joy that God gives? Let's stop being churchy people, talking churchy talk. And let's just start being the church. Amen. I'm so scared. I have to tell you, I'm so scared as the church grows. Because I don't want to be a popular church. I don't want to be the, the, the church that everybody comes to for this season because it's hot right now. I don't want to be, oh, you got to see the, 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 the guitar player over there. Or you got to see this. I don't, I don't, you got to hear this guy. I don't. No, you know, I don't want to be a popular church. I want to be the church. The church should be popular by itself because the, the, the world is looking for truth. They're looking for the solid truth. They're looking for fruit. And I just want to be a place where we, I want this to be a garden, man, where there is so much fruit. Amen? 
that you leave here with mango juice on your thing and, and pineapple juice dripping down your arm and, 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 and you leave here just like a, like a V8, you know? <laughs> we got to be V8 Christians. Like... <laughs> Can we answer the call to work in the vineyard? You didn't get that whole story when he said go work in my vineyard that was it's a picture of God asking people to come to him and then to go work in the world to go work in the vineyard I believe the harvest is ripe amen that'll be my challenge today let's end with that Some of us might have to, this is a, a picture that's coming in my head. Some of us might have to get rid of the Christian t-shirt and the Christian hat. Take the Christian decal off the car until there's some fruit in it. And then when there's some real fruit, then you can put on the leaves, amen? All the other stuff is just leaves. And, and... And when you see that, how angry Jesus got at falseness, I don't want to be false. I don't want to be fake. The world already, how many of you know the world already sees us as hypocrites? Because every damn TV show, can I put it that way? Portrays us as fake, as weak. Why they got to be a Christian in every TV show and they're all bad? Right? So can we maybe go through a season of no leaves and concentrate on the fruit? If you're with me, can we just stand? If you need to answer the call to be, to work in the vineyard today, would you just come, come forward? I'm sorry, our altars are shrinking because we're just making room for more people. But this whole place should be an altar, amen? So anywhere that you are, you can respond. Anywhere that you are, you can come forward. You could be listening to this at home and you can come forward and say, God, I want to answer the call to be in the vineyard. God, I want my belief to be a response that's been tested by time. I don't want to respond to an emotional message just because I'm an emotional being. God, I know that that's valid, but I want there to be more to that. And so the real response, I believe, to the message past the palms is not so much coming forward. The real response is now cultivating real fruit. Bringing forgiveness, bringing accept acceptance, being love to people, shining so that people outside of here can see the person that you are inside of here. Amen? Oh, that's so true and so real, and that's so good. That's what the world needs. If we could act the way we act in here, some of us, not everybody, because some of you still acting the fool up in here. Some people don't know why they come. I'm glad you're here, don't get me wrong. But if you don't want to listen, if you don't want to worship, if you don't want to go in, why are you here? Father, we just thank you, God. I thank you for those that have come forward in their hearts, God. I thank you for those. Ephraim, can you just pray? Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, that you would bring such an appeal to your people through through your vessel oh god and father that you would touch the hearts of your people in a way lord where where some of us haven't been spoken to like before oh god lord that it would stir something in us father and cause us to maybe not physically step forward to the front of the church but but step forward in our hearts and say father we want to change lord we want to be people of substance we want to be people that bear fruit father because you would have it no other way oh god so father we come 
truly transparent, Father, because you see right through us, oh God. Yes, yes, yes. Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you look at our hearts, oh God. And we expose it to you because all we have are these lives, oh God. And that's what we lift up to you today, oh God. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be more like you. Yes. Father, that you would live in our lives, Father. And that you would take over every aspect of our lives, oh God. We don't just give you part or a certain percentage, Father. But we say, take over a hundred percent, oh God. Yes. Yes. Father, we surrender to you, oh God. We surrender right now, oh Lord. Come in, oh Jesus, God, Jesus. from the, the newest father to some of us, Father, that's been in ministry for years. I ask that you rebaptize us, oh God. Yes. Lord, Lord, we, we, yes. we, we come before you, oh God, and, yes. and we rededicate our lives to you this morning, yes. oh God. Lord, you said that you would make all things new where well, we, we need to be made new again, oh God. So, Father, we make a vow today, Thank Lord, Thank you, Lord. To, to go hard, Father, harder, oh yeah, God. Yeah, Lord, yeah. if it takes, Lord, that we just allow you to, to till the land, to break up the ground and continue to plant seeds. And, and we spend a season, Father, where, where we're just watering and where you're just watering, oh God. And, and then the fruit just coming forth. And Lord, you, put Lord. us away for a season, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Whether we're in ministry, put us away for a season, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Until we can be the one that you've called where love would really come forth, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Where your heart would really be seen, oh Amen. God. Amen. Where Amen. ministry would be real ministry, Father. Amen. Because it's ministry from the heart Amen. and from the soul, oh God. And that's what I pray for those that are here. That's what I pray for this church. Yes. That's what I pray for this congregation, for, for the leaders in this church, oh God. Yes. Lord we ask lord that you would take control and have yes. your way in yes. our lives yes yes Amen. come on let's worship before we close your your homework this week is to take that cross that you made out of your palm and give it to somebody that didn't go to church today you don't need it you don't need a good luck charm you already, what did we say this morning? Goodness and mercy follows me. Yes. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't want of nothing. Goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. Come on. So would you share that with somebody? We have an incredible illustrative message of redemption next week. Get somebody up under it. Amen. We love you guys. We'll see you Friday.